I was expecting judgment or expecting all the things I had gotten from all these other gurus like, oh, and we had a moment of recognition mm. and we just smiled at each other. It was just like, it was just like meeting an old friend, I have to say. It was really, really um, a recognition. All that is, and it's, it brings back some beautiful, joyful memories about yeah. just, just that moment. I, it stays with me where we, just met eyes and then i don't know if he smiled first maybe he did but maybe i no, i think he probably did and i smiled it's like we knew each other yeah. it was like a recognition we as a reacquaintance welcome to the supernatural souls podcast i'm jenna Layden, your host i'm also a former global vice president for whole foods market a former atheist and the founder of Star Family Wisdom, a modern day mystery school for your spiritual and cosmic evolution. You're probably wondering how a former atheist ended up here, so we'll get into that soon. To make a long story short, I had some help from a very specific group of supernatural souls. And on this podcast, we explore the lives, teachings, and energies of these supernatural souls. In this group, we include Jesus Christ and Mother Mary, who you might be familiar with from the Christian religion, and also Shirdi Sai Baba and Sri Kaleshwar, two Indian saints of the Hindu tradition who helped to reveal the real life teachings and spiritual practices of Jesus and his disciples. Here we discover the intersection of Hindu spirituality with Christianity and learn about the lost history and lost spiritual practices that have finally been revealed. The story of this unlikely cast of characters teaming up to deliver the world's most advanced spiritual practices and spiritual technologies will be our focus. Because the supernatural is actually super common, it's just been misunderstood in many ways. In fact, Jesus remembered and activated his supernatural abilities in India with the use of powerful mantra and yantra systems, which were recently found in the ancient Indian palm leaf manuscripts and brought to the world by Saint Sri Kaleshwar. It's not often you find a Jesus temple in an Indian ashram, but after accessing his own past life memories of living and working with Jesus, Saint Sri Kaleshwar accepted his mission to reveal the truth. Sri Kaleshwar took his Maha Samadhi and left Earth in 2012, but he left behind an extraordinary group of healers, students, and some of the most important knowledge in the world. Here we interview the followers and students of Sri Kaleshwar and Shirdi Sai Baba, welcoming the energy, love, and wisdom of these supernatural souls into our lives. Together, we'll discuss the teachings and practices that have been employed by many ancient and modern masters to gain the high divine supernatural abilities that were once considered magic. So as we explore the lives and wisdom of these supernatural souls and their students, may we all remember ourselves as supernatural souls and embody the true teachings and wisdom of the many masters who have walked before us.
We are here with Alan Steinfeld. Alan Steinfeld is a longtime friend and devotee of Swami Sri Kaleshwar. And last year, Alan and I met and had a pretty instant connection. Alan's been in the field of ufology and ET connections for a long time. He's, he's written a best-selling book, Making Contact. And as I was leaving the, the ashram in April, I posted a photo <clears throat> just reflecting on my time there and Alan immediately reached out and said, oh my gosh, I knew Swami. I, I, I was there. Swami married me. <laughs> and so Alan and I very quickly realized we had this other connection that um, came into our awareness. So Alan is one of our first people on the podcast, and I am just so honored to have you, Alan. And I want to start with, you know, what was it like when you first met Swami? When was that? How did that happen? And, you know, what do you remember about his essence and the energy that was present at the time? Well, I remember probably almost everything. Um, this was in 2000. Um, I have to say, just to correct things, I don't know if I would consider myself a devotee like of Swami. I feel like I was more of a friend. Um, I mean, I did do some of his mantras, but um, I liked him. He was just a fantastic person. So what happened was, if you want the long and short of it, is that I was up at the Ramtha School. Do you know the Ramtha School? Yeah, you've talked about that before. Yeah, Ramtha was a channel, and me and my girlfriend at the time, Paula Sakonos, otherwise known as Paula Gloria, had this friend named George Sobel. On Gray and Kiswami Kaleshwar, George Sobel is famous or infamous, infamous for his for his um, wide-reaching. Um, uh, study, I would say, journey into um, Eastern Hindu mysticism. He was a TM person for a long time, along with Paula and a bunch of people that came to Swami. Jonathan Rosen was a TM person, and some of those early followers were out of the TM movement. Anyway, I'm with Paula at the Rantha School, and she gets a call from, from George that Swami Kalashwar is going to be up in the area in the area where it was Yelm, Washington, up in that, um, I want to say somewhere in that area, Rainier, Yelm, Tenino. Um, and so I wasn't sure I wanted to go, but Paula wanted to go. So so she escaped from the ramp, the retreat that we're in, climbed over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I didn't go there, but somehow it just was something she was really passionate about as soon as she heard about Kalashwar. And she met Kalashwar um, at this retreat that was happening somewhere in Washington State that George was sort of helping to host. And she was really taken. She was open to all that. She was with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi for 20 years and was really just looking for another teacher. She was quite a student of, of Hinduism. And um, maybe that was in 1999 that happened. Yeah. I think it was 99 that that actually did happen. Right. 
So she just loved Kalashwar, even though we're at in like a master's place. It was like, you know, Rantha is quite an amazing thing. But, you know, the new age and the old age, they don't really mix. And people sort of decide which which battle, which side they're on. And um, but anyway, when did I? So Paula was really taken. She ends up going to India. For, yes, that was the, there, November, December of 99, when Swami did this blood of the cross, um, I guess, um, ritual or practice where people would make these makeshift crosses. I wasn't there. She told me about this, but Alex was. Was Alex this at the ashram or at this? Yes, this was at the place? ashram. Okay. Yeah, so Paula went to the ashram. She was doing all the mantras. She was there for my, um, my friend Molly as well. Molly Cheshire. I'm sure she doesn't mind me mentioning her name. And Paula Sakinus went to the ashram to study with Kalashwar. And she told me all these amazing things that were happening. And I felt like, oh, I definitely have to be there. Eventually, I went to the ashram where Paula was. And I was wondering, how would it be when I when I really connect with Swami, Swami Kalashwar. So I come into the ashram after a long train ride, you know, flying to Bangalore, right? You just flew to Bangalore. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a, it's to, a trip. <laughs> it is. A train to Penaconda and, um, you know, and then I arrive and he's sitting outside. Swami used to sit outside the steps of the, of the temple. Is that still there? Kind of mm -hmm. swinging hammock? Yeah. Yeah, there, he still there. has his swing it's there. It's about yeah. 100 feet from the entrance of the temple. That's where he would sit and do his nightly talks and people would gather around. And so I think I arrived in the evening. He was sitting there. You know, I had met Indian teachers and gurus and they all had an attitude in a sense that, you know, the struggle I think Westerners have and Eastern teachers have is that, I, this is just my opinion, I might get a lot of disagreements, is that, Eastern teachers think that Westerners are not spiritual at all. They just think they have the, all the answers. And Westerners think, well, who are these people? They're just like everyone else. So there's this whole prejudice that already happens for some people. When they, Some people are just blown away, like Ram Dass when he met Nim Kroli Baba. That was a real master who was like, oh, my God, this guy is so full of light and love and and just yeah. awakening but some teachers there's a lot of pretend gurus out there if you ever go to yeah. a um <laughs> if you ever go to what a uh, kumbha mela that's like a guru convention where all these um teachers line up and they you know a lot it's it's, it's i guess it's sort of a prestige for mm -hmm. for eastern teachers to have western students so um, you know we actually had a, a woman from the lineage go to mm -hmm. the kumbha mela um i'm not sure if it was last year or the year before and i think one of the first times a, a woman has really walked with these these gurus so swami's legacy is living on in, in really powerful ways and it's really interesting you you bring up these other gurus you know because i I, I had always kind of recognized that, yeah, there, there's something special going on in the East. Yeah, there seem to be these masters who can do incredible things, you know, with their mind, but, but I had also been a little turned off by guru culture for a long time, you know, in my spiritual journey, 
I hadn't really connected with a, a teacher, you know, from the East until my path crossed, you know, with, with Swami's and, and it just clicked for me that he's the real deal. I come back to the ashram for the first time. He's sitting on this little, I guess it's like a swing or a couch in the right near the steps or right down from the steps uh, from the temple itself, which was a beautiful temple. And um, I see him. I was expecting judgment or expecting all the things I had gotten from all these other gurus like, oh, and we had a moment of recognition mm. and we just smiled at each other. It was just like, it was just like meeting an old friend, I have to say. It was really, really um, a recognition. All it is, and it's, it brings back some beautiful, joyful memories about yeah. just, just that moment. I, it stays with me where we, just met eyes and then i don't know if he smiled first maybe he did but maybe i no i think he probably didn't and i smiled it's like we knew each other yeah. it was like a recognition we as a reacquaintance it was no trip or nothing like there was there was none of the other things i had felt with other eastern teachers it's like i was meeting an old friend that mm -hmm. was the moment of recognition and... i just got huge chills alan <clears throat> yeah. yeah 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 and you know i didn't know what to expect i don't think i had even seen a picture of him before and expecting to be i think he was only 26 when i met him there in must have been uh shivaratri of uh 2000 i don't know what year was he born oh gosh i'm not sure in the late 70s maybe I think he was. So yeah, yeah he, he was 76. Can't remember, but he was, yeah, he, you know, he was a young Swami, you know, like I think a lot of people talk about that, the, the, those first moments of connecting with him and having this kind of this reaction, like, wow, you're kind of young, you know, to be, to be doing this and to be performing these supernatural, you know, abilities and, yes. um, it so we had this took everyone off guard a little bit. <laughs> yes, different type of divine teacher. He's he says, I want to make masters. I'm not your master. I want to make masters. This is what was so special about him among a lot of Eastern teachers who just want followers. Yeah. So we'd lead people through practices. I mean, I did the water mantra when I was creating this event for Emoto in New York. Every day for 40 days, I did the water mantra in my bathtub. And and that's that's pretty special to be doing that in connection with the Emoto <laughs> work yes, and, I, and the, the science behind water. It was the first time Emoto was coming to the U.S. It was right on the heels of What the Bleep, where he was featured as like the key, the key being person in that movie to show how thoughts are things, vibration is our realities. And so I was bringing him to New York and I did the water mantra. I've been charging my water. So I have, I have glass jars that I put my water into and then I charge them on words like gratitude or love or joy. And, and I like intentionally infuse, you know, the water with that that energy and, and bring it to that vibration. You know, it's like if we have the the 
if we understand the technology, you know, it's, it's, it's similar to the mantras. It's like the mantras shift the water, you know, in our body, shift the energy in our, our field. So yeah, it's, it's a powerful thing to understand. <laughs> Swami put a lot of attention on the mantras, especially the root, the, what is it called? The bishakras, not the mm -hmm. Like, the be, the be, yeah, the bijas being the the root word that mm -hmm. makes up a lot of the mantras, and the root word being um, like the 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 primal frequency, the the root sound of God that that mm -hmm. creates harmony in the creation. Right. So he paid a lot of attention. If you look at my, um, what do we call that? I call the puja ceremony, the fire puja that he did in Topanga Canyon for about 70 people. This was at Sridhar's place. Sridhar's, Sridhar was the first person to host Ama, Amachi when she came, Junyorki was a disciple of Muktananda. He brought, um, who's the guy who, who spoke at Woodstock? Sridhar brought um, the guy, who was another Indian guru to Woodstock to do a meditation. I mean, Sridhar is a major person in, in this um, awakening of Hindu Eastern culture in the U.S., so I was staying at his place. And was and this one of the first? Was this one of the first big, like, big ceremonies that had happened with Swami here? Um, maybe it was even the biggest ceremony. Okay. Uh, we did it outside in Topanga Canyon, I, and I we videotaped it. I had my camera and two other cameras and. Paula was there sitting right next to Swami and uh, you've seen it, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll link to that too in the show notes. That, that's a really, because in I mentioned that because in that he gives the correct pronunciation of each of the five elements. And he says, it's the pronunciation that carries the frequency and the vibration. Mm -hmm. So you have to say the Hindu syllables in the right way in order to get the right effect. That was why I mentioned it. So he's going through the five elements and that ceremony, which was, it was a powerful ceremony. You know, you meet someone like Swami who could see through the levels of, of reality. And a lot of the teachers in Eastern traditions are because they've done the practices that open the neural nets of awareness to that level of understanding. So and all agree on that he was, a beautiful master. He really wanted to help people. He was compassionate. He was sincere. And his mission was to teach. So um, and I think whoever you talk to on this journey here, Jen, you'll find they might have different opinions of who he was, how he taught his life, but the core of the essence and I didn't spend that much time with him. He was very nice to me, but there were people who spent years, maybe 10, 20 years with Swami. And of course, but I, I think him. also as a testament to your, you know, your connection with him, the, the lives you've lived, he let you interview him for a long time. Like you, you had some, some really dedicated, you know, one-on-one -on -one time with him there. And, and what did you interview him about? Well, you know, first he said he'd never get married in that interview, and then he ends up getting married. So it's like, um, 
Well, you have you seen the interviews? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sent them to you sent them to me after the first trip to the ashram. Yeah, about his teachings, about maybe he tells a story about how he got initiated by Shirdi Baba, um, you know, and um, just what his mission was for the planet. He's that's when he said no, he doesn't want to get he's he's devoted to his students, so he wasn't going to get married. That was like his. Swami asked you what you wanted in life, like <clears throat> as though he was about to grant that wish for you. And you said joy, and then Vibhuti flew out of his hands. How has that manifested in your life? That's such a beautiful question. Thank you, Jenna. That's really sweet of you. I think, not to compare myself, but, you know, I have a pretty good time. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I am doing things I love to do. I'm traveling, I'm meeting beautiful people, um, resolved a lot of my issues. I mean, I still have stuff to work through, we all do, but uh, I met a lot of great teachers who, who's helped me learn presence. Paul Lowe was another one. Actually, Paul Lowe met Kalishwar once, and uh, that was great. You know, um, so I think it's a process of manifestation, you know, yeah. it's not like it, joy just arrives, but there's moments of joy for me that I don't know if it's about asking that. I mean, but I'm content for sure. I mean, of course, there's things I still want to do and want to accomplish and want to know about and learn and people and places and things and I mean I'm an Aquarian and so my my adventures and experiences are about knowing and learning and sharing more of that um, Gnostic mm -hmm. wisdom so I'm teaching remote viewing and really trying to be at the forefront of what's happening in the UFO disclosure movement. That is like, that is history in the making. And that gives me the most, in a way, joy or fulfillment that, that something is shifting about human design, I would say human civilization that has to do with the other in a way that has not existed before, we are in historic times, and I'm in there with that. I'm in there, you know, maybe not as much as someone like Steve Bassett or Richard Dolan, Linda Mullenhauer are really the masters of that, uh, but those are my teachers, and those are people that uh, I'm in association, close connection with. So the excitement is, and the joy is that we are in the midst of a change. Star Family Wisdom was all about that as well. And um, and that's what brings joy to me is that I'm seeing that reality is, is, is transmuting right in front of us. Mm. And you're, and you've been such a big part of that for so many people. It's it, it, through your your process of following your passions and 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 allowing that to just carry your life forward you're helping so many other people find joy so it's it, it's it's fun to think about how that moment with swami 
and has just played out in all of these really beautiful ways. Well, thank you. That's really yeah. a great way of putting it. Yes. I mean, I think really associate, but I've always been um, a follower of my passion. That's been, you know, I can't think of living any other way except following even long before Bashar Lutet, so I, then I, when I heard Bashar say, so, oh yeah, that is what I love to do, follow my passion. Of course, you know, other people have built careers and families and fortunes and there I am just following my passion. But, you know, I met this one guy who was a millionaire, lots, and he goes, he was, he was upset with me. And he said, you know, you have more freedom than I have, and, you know, <laughs> he goes, I'm tied to my golden handcuffs and you're just traveling around in joint. And it's like, I mean, he was a nice guy, but he, there was a little bit of resentment. He built, you know, he worked hard, I'm sure, but it's like. That's a good reminder, you know, be careful what you wish for because <laughs> it, right. it might come but, true. <laughs> but also go for your passion. Go yeah. for your passion because I yeah. do believe what Bashar said it will not ever stare you in the wrong direction. And when we mean passion, it doesn't mean just getting drunk every night. What really drives you? And my passion at this point is, I can't say understanding the UFO phenomenon, but understanding the process of awakening a new humanity within relationship mm -hmm. to this other, this other presence mm -hmm. that we have yet to cognize in any in any sense of understanding we don't know what this is and i would say I, i'm not going to say we may never know but i think we can know but we have to change our way of thinking mm -hmm. even <clears throat> using some of the tools that swami was aware of and some of the ways of being that a lot of the masters, Eastern masters, yeah. knew about there's other ways of being. Yeah. Well, and Swami um, even talked about, you know, the idea of other beings and other intelligences in the universe that we can connect with. You know, that it wasn't like at the forefront of his teachings or anything, but, you know, there's mention of it for sure. And, you know, I'll, I'll just go out on a limb here and say that you know, what I feel is true about my connection with Swami stems from one significant earth life, but mostly from ET lives. Mostly so, what? Did you say mostly, mostly what? From, mostly from ET lives. So we'll just leave that here for the audience. <laughs> no, so there's so much more to say. I mean, yeah. the sad part is, of course, well, maybe not, that he felt like, even back in that interview that I did in 2000, yeah, I think it was 2000 with Swami at the ashram, he felt like he had completed a lot of his teachings. And um, I was just saying it's too bad he's no longer on the planet. But maybe he did feel complete, you know. Um, you well, know. And it's you know, it's beautiful to see how many of his students are carrying on the legacy and and how many people you know like me are at a later date finding the lineage finding the practices and and are able now to engage in them 
in a in a way that is more of a formal initiation because of all of the work that his students have done you know since his passing so it's you know it it's no coincidence to me that that's that's happening you know it's 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 all playing out the way it was supposed to and 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 he left behind an incredible legacy you know when we like think about it um you know these are the mantra systems that jesus used you know like these these are some of the most incredible spiritual tools you know at our disposal for this time of change on earth and um I'll just say another thing out loud that I shared in a, a workshop last month. You know, this also is about divine power and, you know, with power comes responsibilities. energy mean in your life like how are you going to utilize that how are you going to you know embody that in a way that is of service you know at the highest level possible and so it's just it's an incredible thing to contemplate and integrate and i think it you know it humbles us very quickly <laughs> to engage with with this sort of information well i yeah no i think it's great that you found a path jenna that resonates with you but what's What's your big picture here? Yes, you want to learn as much about Kaleshwar's system, but what 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 are you gonna are you gonna what do you want to do with it? That's what I guess want to I guess want to know. Good good question, Alan. You can have me on your show and interview me soon if you want. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, you know the ultimate goal for me in this whole journey has been to reach a level of wholeness where. I do know, you know, that I, I, I know the truth of reality. I know the truth of myself and my soul at like the deepest levels and have like at a cellular level, like gone through that transformation so that I can help others. You know, that was the whole point of starting Star Family Wisdom. You know, it was partially about my journey initially, but, but also to share the wisdom practices that I was engaging that that were coming back to me as I was going through these extraordinary past life recalls and and to support others in their transformation. So, you know, I think ultimately, you know, you can say the goal is enlightenment or, or this or that, but, you know, we we engage in this stuff to heal the world, you know, and but it starts with us, you know, it starts with us and and excavating you know all of the parts of ourselves that have been attached to negativity that have you know been programmed in ways that are not in alignment with the divine you know structure of the universe and and so there is a massive effort afoot you know around deprogramming ourselves and reprogramming ourselves and i think we're at a critical juncture in humanity where we're poised to make a quantum leap 
And, and I know that part of my destiny is, you know, with Star Family Wisdom, you know, running this mystery school, but also to just help be a connector, you know, around this topic too, and support people in finding the practices and information and encourage them to go as far as possible to make that quantum leap. You know, we've got to make a quantum leap as humans right now for our collective survival. And so, so this is, you know, it started for me as just a healing journey, but then it turned into remembering, you know, like what my soul has done in other lifetimes and remembering what I'm here to do. And then also to just like be fearless in the transformation process and, and to some extent be an example of that and, and share openly about what it's like and the hard, the, the good, bad, and the ugly, you know, all of it, you know, cause it's, it's a, it's a major, major transformation that's required, you know, for, for a lot of us. So, so yeah, the ultimate goal is to just be of service in, in, in the ways that I'm called to and continue down my path of transformation. Beautiful. Well, you are a bhakti, you know, you're a service at here for the service of the divine. And I really see a transformation. Actually, since you've met the whole Kalashwar teachings, I said that before, but there's, you definitely seem more at peace. Yeah. More present, more loving, more open. Not for the faint of heart, for sure, but it's, why? Oof, what, boy, it's, it's it, worth it. But when you say that, why, what comes up for you that makes it tough? I mean, oh, well, I think, you know, anytime we are serious about healing and transforming, we have to meet our shadow. You know, we've got to meet those parts of ourselves that have been living in distortion. Like we're doing soul retrieval, you know, through these processes in a sense. And to be able to harness and call in our full soul power, that requires us getting rid of all the other stuff we've been carrying, all the trauma, all the wounds, all the negative programming, all the baggage, all of the limiting beliefs, and, and excavating that, meeting it, clearing it, releasing it is not pleasant sometimes. You know, like you go yeah, through no, major <laughs> emotional releases and stuff. And, um, and so, yeah, it's just good to be prepared for that for anyone who's on the path, because that's all that stuff's going to come up, you know, and you got to deal with it. And and that's tough stuff sometimes, but it's it's part of the process. No, thanks for sharing that part. You're right. You're yeah. right. That. Like the, the amount of tears I have cried over the last few years as I've been engaging this transformation process, like the amount of grief and 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 stuff I've had, you know, to to sit with just you know, as it was coming up to to clear, like, whoa, you know, like did not see all of that coming, but um, I'm so, so grateful for it all. Well, I, I could share more. Let's do some more. This. Yeah, let's do another chat soon. I'm, I'm so grateful for you, Alan. Thank you. I'm curious about the next people in the Kalashwa series you're going to be talking to. And yeah, yeah. Stay tuned. We're going to have a, a fun series of guests coming up and some solo episodes where I'll continue to share about my journey and, and, and things that feel important. But, um, but yeah, this is the beginning of, of a hopefully long journey and, and just a, a place to, to hold space, you know, for these sorts of conversations and, and remember 
Swami Sri Kaleshwar and, and talk about transformation and, and what's possible so that we can, we can, we can support each other in this, this massive transformation that's happening. Thank you for being on the show. I'm so grateful that you shared so much of your heart and memories and, and, and wisdom from your time knowing Swami. And um, if, you, if you had one piece of advice for the audience during these times of change on the planet, what would that be? Well, just think about some of the things Swami would say. He said, it's okay to grab power. If you go to a power spot, if you have a power, pull that power into you, grab it, hook it. You know, it's here to hook. It's always talking about hooking the Shakti, hooking the energy. And it's like, okay to go for hooking the energy, you know, to taking what is being offered to you and, you know, he would encourage people to do that, not be afraid of that energy and really bring it into you. And we have so much available to us and we have to just feel we're worthy of our divine connection. Mm -hmm. That was something I don't think Swami knew that. He already knew that. And he was already beyond that in a way where it's like, okay, got that one. Now I'm just going to help others in a sense. And, you know, in that way, he... He had completed a karmic pattern for himself, probably. So, um, but we're here, I think, in this evolutionary time to use a lot of the tools the masters have given us. Even the Star Family Wisdom Masters, you know, all of these are masteries to bring humanity back into wholeness, bring ourselves back into wholeness, live in harmony with the earth. And welcome the unknown, welcome the bizarre, the unthinkable, the unimaginable, the impossible into our reality. And then we wake up to the greater picture of who we really are. And we're at the threshold of a magical, limitless, luminal transformation of ourselves, the human race, and possibilities that will bring humanity into what I said, joy. We're working on it. It's a collective, mm. it's a collective group effort. So mm. I'm happy about what, yes. what what a good note to end on. And mm. well said. Well said. The 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 mission is joy, bringing joy back into our lives and healing the planet, finding harmony. And love and wisdom. I mean and and, and compassion. You know, like the vow of the Bodhisattva is no one wakes up until everyone wakes up. Um, and that's probably true because we're all entangled with each other in levels of consciousness. So, yeah, there's and there's new so much new that is coming to the planet, Jenna, with the awakening of a disclosure reality. That's like, wow, that's the unknown coming into form. And what, that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. What a time to be alive on earth, you know? <laughs> yes. What oh, my goodness. oh my it goodness. Oh my goodness. The new realities, like my my kind of um code says, my little yeah. um input it's happening. Into it's it's here. The new reality is here. And um and yeah, this this lineage, these practices are 
in many ways the new reality. So thank you everyone for tuning in today and following along on my journey and Alan's journey. Alan, thank you for your wisdom. It was just a delight to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you, Jenna. Thanks thank for your Thank you, Alan. Mm, thank you. And for those who are just tuning in, check out the episodes we just released so that you can catch up and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now. Bye.